0: Join me now and every week as we explore yogic philosophy and apply it to our daily lives. Right now, we're at a point in the story where our first hero, so there's different people in the, in the story who are called up to perform their heroic act, their heroic deed. And the first is this yogi who's um, tired of the world. He goes deep into trance and he's deep in his trance, doesn't want anything to do with the suffering and the pain of the world when a celestial being comes down and says, hey, I need your help. I need you to write uh, this poem. I need you to tell the story of Rama. So Rama's going to be our main character. And he finally, after a lot of um, cajoling, agrees to do it. And... uh, brings Sita, the heroine in the story, into his ashram. And he's just um, sat down with um, Brahma, the lord of the universe. And <clears throat> um, he, now, he now knows that he can do this. He can tell the story. He can write the first poetry that comes to earth. And so we pick up the story where Lord Brahma, so there's Brahma, Vishnu, Shiva... Creation is Brahma. Preservation, the sustenance of life is Vishnu, and Shiva is the transformer. So Brahma is the creator. So Lord Brahma returned to his heaven, far above the changing heavens of Indra and the other gods, riding on his chariot drawn by white swans and snow geese. Valmiki, so he's our our main character right now. Valmiki sat every day facing east on a grass mat, He held a little water cupped in his hands and looking down into it, he clearly saw Rama and Sita. He saw them move. He heard them talk and laugh. He saw all Rama's life happen within the water. He held the past world in his palm and part by part he made Ramayana. Ramayana means the tale of Rama. He made Ramayana delightful to the ear, pleasing to the mind, and a true happiness to the heart. Not many months after Valmiki began his poetry, Sita's twin sons were born. So as we began the story, what happened was Rama had abandoned Sita. We don't know why, but he abandoned her as the queen sent her off, and um, she was about to kill herself, When Valmiki saved her, brought her to the ashram, she had two unborn children. She gave birth to them, and now um, the two sons are born. So not many months after Valmiki began his poetry, Sita's twin sons were, were born. Valmiki named them Kusha and Lava. They grew up resembling their father Rama, as the moon's reflection resembles the moon himself. All the hermit women loved them and watched those two boys instead of offering worship to the gods. As Valmiki composed Ramayana and as Kusha and Lava grew grew old enough to learn, he taught it to them by memory. When they were 12 years old, Valmiki had brought his story nearly up to the present. And Kusha and Lava knew every foot of it and sang Ramayana to a lute and a drum like Gandharvas, the celestial musicians. That year, King Rama held a years-long spiritual celebration in Naimisha Forest along the river Gomati. At home, Kusha and Lava rehearsed their songs. Deer listened from the wood and birds from the trees. They practiced long, and many forest men came to listen. After each day, they brought kusha and lava gifts and presents, a water jar, a bark cloth shirt, a deer skin, some thread, a grass belt, red cloth, an axe, a cord to tie firewood, a cooking pot, and wild food they had gathered. Then they all went to Rama's festival. People had come there from all over the world. Valmiki kept Sita hidden. But he sent Kusha and Lava to sing Ramayana in a clearing. When they started to sing, the other business of the funeral stopped. They held their hearers motionless. For a year, they they sang some of Ramayana every morning, yet never told their names. Everyone gathered round them. Every day, King Rama came to listen. He looked long at his twin sons he had never seen and wondered who they were. And beside Rama stood a golden statue of Sita, for Rama loved her, though he had sent her away. Kusha and Lava began. We sing a song of kingly fame. Oh, listen, oh, listen. So we see that that Valmiki the, her, the guy who was in the um, under the anthill meditating he was able to do his task so Narada the celestial musician musician that came down and said I need you to compose this poem he said I don't know how to I don't know how to write poetry but he was presented with these challenges and Narada said just start just act and the rest will follow And so Valmiki did that. He went out of the anthill. He started to compose poetry. And because he embarked on his journey, he was able to fulfill it. And so that's a big part of each each of our lives is probably deep inside, you have a real sense of what your most heroic or what your most um, deeply held journey could be in life. So life presents each of us with lots of um, options, lots of paths we can walk or avenues we can take. And so if you meditate on your options, you'll get a feeling of like your highest highest path or your truest path. Because we have a lot of options and some are kind of easier or some are more pleasant. But really one of the great challenges in life is to choose the the journey that most most draws you out, that most challenges you, because that's the one that's going to most fulfill you. And so in the Indian philosophy, there's a big distinction between the good and the pleasant. You know, the pleasant is, is pleasurable, so a lot of times our decisions come down to, you know, do I want to do what's more pleasant, what's kind of easier, or do, I, or do I want to do what is the real challenge? And so one of the great things about learning to meditate is the ability to hold different options in your awareness and really try to feel how it resonates with you. because there's a lot of avenues you can walk and we have that, this idea in physics like parallel universes or multi-dimensional universes and so in a, in a sense your life is like that because if you imagine at this very moment you could make so many different choices that will create an energy and a certain reality that will, that will become your life And so, in a sense, your choices are so significant. What what you choose to do. And oftentimes we get caught in patterns. So we kind of make the same choices. We bang our head into the same wall. and We do it over and over. It takes more subtle forms, but it, it happens again and again. And so using your meditation, using your ability to sit still and look at your different options and really try to feel... In your heart, what's the what's the 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 truest path for you? And so we find um, Valmiki has taken that. He took up the challenge. He met the Lord of the Universe. He got the ability to like cup water in his hand and see these people's lives. And from that, he wrote. His, he writes his story. And so the neat thing is, the story is 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 still going on and so he's been able to tell the whole tale which now we go into tell the whole tale from the um, very beginning and now we're coming up almost to the present moment and so Valmiki um, is embarking on his journey And so again, I think that ability to to use your meditation to help you make decisions is really, really huge um, power and ability. The other thing in here is in the very beginning, it says that Lord Brahma returns to his heaven, his realm, far above the changing heavens. Far above the changing. And so, one of the real challenges in, in the spiritual journey and in yoga is how do you get to these higher states of consciousness? So has anyone heard the term samadhi? Samadhi, okay, on nirvana. Mm-hmm. If you're a raised Christian, the idea of the kingdom of heaven within so how do you even begin, begin to get to nirvana? Or how do you be, even begin to get to these higher realms? And I think one thing that helps is to start to have a clue of what that realm is like. So if, if you're like trying to immerse yourself in the ocean and you're like walking around and your eyes are closed but you're trying to get into the ocean, then it really helps to know what it feels like to feel your feet touching water. At least you know like you're moving in the right direction. And so one of the things to look for in your meditation practice is moving away from the constant change. So like when our minds are really, really active... Your reality is in a sense changing constantly. So you're sitting there, but all these thoughts are going through, and it's new thought, new thought, new thought, and your mind's like always jumping around and it's kind of scattered, and it's all over the place. Whereas when you start to go into meditation, your thoughts start to slow down, and instead of being like everything really jagged, you start, your start thoughts start to be more of like a fluid and, and slow-moving experience and then things aren't changing so much you're like rooted into your breathing and you're keeping a constant flow of awareness and it's it feels really good to do that and when that starts to happen your perception of of time also starts to change so a lot of times i 'm really surprised and people in the meditation they are really surprised like how quickly time goes or the fact that a lot of especially people come you know their first couple of experiences there they, they can 't believe that they just sat for twenty five minutes in the meditation, and so one way to look at that is is you 're kind of moving into a deeper reality where there 's not constant change you, come, you get into that feeling of peace and, and and calmness. And if you think of one of the things the Buddha said, he talked about one of the things you have to realize is that everything's in a constant state of flux, state of change. And so you realize that, you realize things are always changing, but then as you go into deeper meditation, you start to get into a place where there's a lot less change, where things are more constant. Even our sense of self can constantly be changing Depending on what thoughts are in our mind, one minute we feel really confident, the next minute we're full of self-doubt. Then we're confident again. Then someone says something nice to us, we feel good about ourselves. and someone says something mean, and it's like constantly changing. Versus when you go into the med- into deeper meditation or a higher consciousness, you start to get a, a constant feeling about yourself of who you are and what you are. And so you could say you're you're moving. Beyond the, the, you're moving into a more changeless state. And so, my teacher Sri Chinmoy, he described as you go into higher consciousness, he said you start to feel that a sense of completeness. That in our day-to-day life, we're constantly like dissatisfied, or we have all these desires that are unfulfilled. But as you move into higher consciousness, there's not that feeling. There's a feeling of more completeness that you don't need more, you don't necessarily need anything else to feel at peace. Whereas when we're just in our kind of day to day consciousness, we're constantly thinking we need something. We need things to be happy or a a certain experience to be happy. So that's that's what they're alluding to into this realm of more changelessness. So using that as your own guide. Any questions about any of those ideas? Any questions or comments before we move on a little bit? So Kusha and Lava begin singing. We sing a song of kingly fame. Oh, listen. Rama. So now they're singing. They're starting to sing the story. Rama, free your mind from malice and ill will. This is Valmiki's song. And, and thus begins, now begins the story. On the banks of the Sarayu River is Fair Ayodhya, the royal capital of Koshala, She is a fabled city, famous among men. Twelve leagues long and ten wide, with sala trees filled with grain and gold. Heaven is fair, Ayodhya is fairer. Heaven is cool in summer, but the Koshala hills are better. Majesty, so they're referring to Rama, so basically Rama. When Dasharatha was alive, he ruled from the tall white Ayodhya palace built atop the resting hill. He was lord of the earth and the lord of men. He was a solar king, bright as the new day, noonday sun. So Dasharap is the great king. He's, he's Rama's father. So he's another really important character. The Kosala men were well, the Koshalas were well fed and healthy. The Sarayu was filled with boats. Every cow's horns were covered with rings of silver and bands of gold. Every man could keep what he had in peace and gain what more he wanted. The young people wore elegant clothes, and life was joyful among the gardens and the pleasure parks. Three and seven-storied mansions lined the wide, straight streets. The Koshalas had no enemies, and Ayodhya was unconquerable. Flowers grew everywhere. Long tusked elephants walked the streets wearing wearing bells on their necks. There, There were rows of full shops and open doors, pale white palaces and lordly trees. Rattling chariots drove by and there was foreign music. Caravans from distant lands bringing merchants and rich tributes from lesser kings. Fair Ayodhya was filled with warriors like a mountain cave filled with lions. Her warriors were impatient and deadly to foes. Each man of them could alone defeat 10,000 chariots, but no one came against them. They kept the city safe and tried to right whatever wrongs they could discover. Dasharatha, the great king, had ministers unequaled. They were loyal and wise. Able to find hidden motives and fight with words. Cautious, never binding themselves to a lie. Acting by their word and sending out spies to report what took... And sending out spies to report back what took place in all the distant world. So we have this idyllic world. So Ayodhya, the great king, everyone's happy... Uh, they're living in peace, getting all the things they could they could long for, and so in some ways you could say it's like the ideal childhood. And so one thing you find in in the mythology and in these stories is like things are really good, things are are really pleasant, they're really pleasurable. You couldn't ask for more. And yet, to grow as people, we have to step out of that and rise up to our individual challenges. We need to to take on our challenges. So there's this idyllic reality, but then things need to happen in order for uh, us to grow as beings. We have to come out of the idyllic childhood, out of that um, really comfortable space, and step forward as individuals. Iodia was a matchlessly brilliant city with lots of food and water, But though Dasharatha was an old man, 60,000 years old, he had no son to inherit his kingdom. He called the priest Vaishishtha and said, Brahmana, I always long for a son. I can find no happiness without him. Therefore, make a sacrifice with fire to please the gods. Vashista said, excellent, well done. You will have sons after your own heart. Dasharatha told his charioteer Sumantra, arrange for this sacrificial fire. He went to his three queens and said, we will have sons. And hearing those sweet words, their faces shone like lotus flowers opening out after the long, cold winter's end. Sumantra, the charioteer, charioteer, piled provisions by the river, and Vashishta chose a day whose ruling stars were fortunate. After his morning bath, King Dasharatha watched Vashishta light the holy fires by the river. Vashishta began then to sing spell binding mantras. He reached out for a flat wooden ladle and dipped it into clear liquid butter. And he started to pour the offerings into the sacrificial fire. O Indra, king of the heavens, come. And so Dasharatha, like all of us, wants something. In his case, he didn't have sons to carry on his kingdom. So he calls his great priest in and tells him, you know, do something. Appease the gods. Figure this out. We have to change this. And so, on the one hand, we can say, okay, why doesn't Dasharatha just like go into deep meditation, let go of his desires, and, and just go into trance? You know? But, in, but instead of that, he's like, I have unfulfilled desires, he's getting his priest, and, and starts a whole series of events. And that's where we get into the idea of karma, And the idea of deep inside ourselves, there's things that are unresolved. And so in the Indian philosophy, these would be called um, samskaras. And in the Indian philosophy, the idea is that you have multiple lifetimes. And so that this lifetime, the things you desire or the things that are happening in life don't always make sense when you think of just this lifetime. Latent tendencies, things that are unresolved, likes, dislikes, the people you encounter. And so the Indian philosophy says that the journey of life is much longer than one lifetime. And so that there's things from our past that have to be resolved, that have to be worked out. And in this story, we discover what went on in Dasharatha's path and, and Things need to happen to be resolved and past events to be resolved and things he did to other people that he has to experience in order to resolve things. And so in our own lives, the meditation becomes a really good way to look deep inside yourself, to see things in their seed form. But we can't stay in meditation all day. So we have to take action. We have to do things and so you are going to have certain unfulfilled desires. There's things you want to do in life. And so that's where you apply this ability of concentration. So dasharatha, he utilizes his priest. The priest creates the fire, puts the ladle with the sacrificial um, butter. The butter goes on the fire. The smoke rises up. The gods eat the smoke. <clears throat> and then they grant the boons. Which you know sounds like fairy tale, but you know look at yourself, and when you really want something, if you concentrate it on it and visualize it and really put energy into it, you see these things start to happen for you. How many people have ever created a vision board? okay My experience is they really work. you know you concentrate on things, you cut out pictures, you put them there, put it in your room and just you know. It, it brings these things. And so, in that way, life really is kind of like this reality. You know, you learn to meditate, you learn to concentrate and visualize, and you can bring these things into you, bring them into your life. And so... That's that that fine balance of being able to go into meditation, let go of things, like one of the mantras we did tonight, peace begins when expectation ends. Let go of things as much as you can. Try to be detached. But there are these things that need to be resolved. They're the latent things deep in your consciousness. And things need to happen in life. You need to have certain experiences to, to resolve these things. And the more conscious you are, the more quickly you'll learn from these things learn the lesson resolve things and then move on and so I'll just read the um, the first paragraph of the next line so so because a little unexpected so he's the guy on earth in the human realm is pouring the thing into the fire and he's saying Indra Indra grant our boons you know so the smoke's going up to heaven And the. In heaven above, Indra turned and sighed and hissed like an an angry snake. His fine robes were burnt and torn. His face and chest were covered with dried blood. He was angry. He heard Vashishta's call from far away, and it made him still angrier. Indra looked about his heaven, it was a hopeless ruin. So, just like in the Greek mythology, things aren't always great on Mount Olympus. So, too, in in this realm, we have these different realms of the gods and goddesses, and um, there's trouble up in heaven. (laughs) Okay, so that's going to be it for tonight. I um I... Again, it's the Ramayana and it's by William Bach. So you can get it online. We sell it here. We might be out of it here. I think we just ordered some new copies. Um, But I strongly suggest getting a copy of the book, maybe catching up. We're only 12 pages into it. And, um, (laughs) yeah. (laughs) How many pages? (laughs) Right. 430. Not for a couple lifetimes. <laughs> right, we should have a couple of lifetimes yeah, of reading we'll like <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, yeah, it's a dream. It's a lifetime of learning. Oh, great. Okay you guys, well nice seeing everyone. Thanks for staying for the philosophy and we'll Thank you. see you next week. Tuesday tonight.